Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up, episode number 43. This time coming to you outside of Levi's Lounge, where there's a gig happening in the background. So if you hear ambient, shiny noises, that means we're doing this in the middle of the gig. We are actually choosing not to watch a band, but record our links. That shows how interested we are in bringing you this episode. And it also tells you how interested we are in endless amount of effects and delays. Can you guess which kind of gig we are at? If you know the answer, write to us. We are at Hornsubpod on Twitter. I'm at Asmoani. And I'm at Trendcrusher. And we are also on Hornsubpod.com. Oh yeah, we've got a shiny, bright new website. If you don't like something that you see on the website, do let us know. If you do like something that you see or that you hear, which wins us brownie points, send that love to us too. Come on, you know you want to do it. Anyways, now that the plugs are done, Peter, here's a question for you. If you, as a kid, had a chance to essentially um, one day in the future join the band that your heroes played in, which band would that be? <laughs> it, so, um, wait, I have a question to answer your question. Is this Peter as a young person or Peter is like okay, now let's back? Okay, so let's do it in stages. Peter as a kid. Dude, Limb Biscuit, man. Okay, Peter as a teenager. Limbiscuit who? <laughs> okay, and Peter now as... No, no, I mean, Peter Limbiscuit who, considering now that I'm that much older, but dude, and I'm going to justify that for all those haters of new metal. Dude, Limbiscuit were the shit. If you grew up, if your teenage was around the turn of the 2000s, uh-huh. they were the biggest thing, man. Like, that was metal back then, right? I mean, think of who their contemporaries were at that time. Crazy Town. Yeah. And now, compare Crazy Town to Limbiscuit, of course. Crazy Town are still, to, oh well, technically <laughs> still, so are Limbiscuit. <laughs> but, but coming yeah, back Yeah, Fred Durst's more well-known. He's yeah. He has, did you see the car commercial he was in? No, no, not car commercial. I think it was an insurance commercial or something that he was in recently. He sold out, clearly. <laughs> but yeah, man, they were like freaking heavy. That was the sound back then. And... For me, the iconic gig of theirs was the Woodstock one, man. Yeah. It's freaking crazy. Okay, so that's your first answer. Yeah. Now, my second question to you, what instrument did you see yourself playing? Or would you be Fred Durst? Nah, dude. I don't think I would be Fred Durst. I just like... And that's where... A close second would have been Slipknot because I would have just been one of those nine guys banging the shit out of drums. (laughs) I mean... Technically, that's what I thought they did right back then. No one knew what producers were or everything else. But okay. Yeah, man. I just probably played some sort of percussive <laughs> instrument. Go nuts on stage. <laughs> All right. Okay. 16-year-old Peter's living their dream in Limbiscuit. What is 16-year-old or 17-year-old Animesh living their 16 dream? 16 or 17-year-old Animesh is... Uh, having dreams of sharing stage with Iron Maiden, which actually I would still want to do. I kid you not, like literally I started playing guitar because I wanted to try and learn how to play um, the song to be precise. I wanted to try and learn how to play uh, Wasted Years. Okay. Right? It it was Wasted Years and I wanted to learn how to play that and I learned how to play it eventually. Um, And I would practice because back then, yeah, like you would practice, like everybody practices at home, but what I would try and do was I would put on Rock in Rio on my small little DVD player connected to the TV and I would pull my amp next to the TV and 
pretend I'm playing along with Iron Maiden. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done that in a really long time. <laughs> it's also because I've given up guitar <laughs> overall. I realize I suck so much at it. Oh so well. So who who did you want to be from which guitar player? I would want to be the fourth guitar player. Oh wow. <laughs> because because so here's the thing. I like Iron Maiden to me as a three piece is fine. Like I know probably Lo- Nolan will hate <laughs> me for saying this, but they sound okay as a three piece. Actually, they I think they sound much better as a three piece than they did as a two piece, especially live. Yeah. Yeah, but that love for Iron Maiden still still continues. Dude, yeah. we c- we can go on and on about Iron yeah. Maiden. Exactly. So but you're still you st- Iron Maiden still your pick today? Oh well, now you can include like I don't know. I would, I would I would give anything to be able to share the stage with. Um, if death was ever to be resurrected, oh, yeah. if I don't know, if Slayer decides that they want to do another run of Which new I've shows, trust me, it'll happen just like Motley Crue. <laughs> 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 yeah, if that ever happens, and if Tom Araya doesn't want to play bass. <laughs> hey, yeah, you guys can give me a call. That's that's like okay, yeah. But fuck, well, why not? Like if you're if you're doing that, then why not? Minor Threat is fine. Gallows is okay. So many bands now. <laughs> yeah, for, for me today, Cannibal Corpse, man. Cannibal Corpse. Just like and this again, this is an iconic thing that's stuck in my head. Uh huh. But I watched them play Brutal Assault Festival, and just to have like ten thousand. people scream at me my lyrics uh-huh like even if i didn't write them dude that would like have goosebumps down my All spine right. hand i don't know wherever dude <laughs> that would be like something cool so while we are sitting outside levi's lounge listening to ambient music in the background um well our guest today on the podcast actually did have a dream at a young age and managed to actually live that one out Now do you see where I was going with the whole thing? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, we caught up with Lindsay Schoolcraft who uh in her early years itself decided to take on keyboards and synths etc and turn what was essentially a passion into a livelihood and she made it and she now plays with Cradle of Filth and has been playing for a really long time. Uh the reason the reason we're talking to her is because she has a new album out and the reason why you're hearing this really late is well just because we just got around to doing this right now so with the nice break going on on the whole woohoo's i'm going to take that as a cue and let's get straight into that interview here's lindsay schoolcraft all right and i'd like to welcome to hands up lindsay schoolcraft welcome to the show uh lindsay thank you so much for having me and how are you doing today I'm actually pretty good, thank you. Just working on things, you know, the usual. How about you? Oh, we're doing all right. It's kind of like good. the middle of the night here. <laughs> oh my! Well, good evening. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, the whole focus of our interview is primarily your album. So congratulations on the album. But you know, before we want to dive into that, we want to get to know you a bit better. So sure. if you could kind of take us back to your childhood what's your earliest musical memory Um okay so my earliest musical memory there's two I was in elementary school and uh we did we did a lot of Disney for plays so I was in well I guess this is in Disney the first choir I was in and I was like learning about harmony was for the Wizard of Oz and then oh. I was 
in the Little Mermaid for the Under the Sea number as like a background <laughs> singer. But I was I was in a full shark costume. It was amazing. It's like one of the <laughs> best costumes on, on stage. So um, yeah, it was it was something else. Um, so those are my earliest memories of me like singing and figuring out what what music meant to me. Okay, but do you come from a musical family as such? Is music like seeped in your blood? Definitely. Well, my my uh, from what I found out recently, my great grandfather on my mother's side, uh, he played the accordion, and then it's, my dad is actually like a very talented singer and guitarist. Um, I mean, he pursued the corporate world, but that doesn't mean that he gave up. He still plays and sings all the time. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been in my life since a young age. My dad taught me guitar around the age of seven or eight, and I didn't take a ton of interest in it. Like I didn't pursue it super seriously at the time, but I did have down the foundations to kind of understand it. Um, but yeah, I didn't start taking songwriting seriously until high school when I picked it up again. All right, and how did heavy metal happen? You know, heavy metal is such a strange, strange monster. Um, so. what happened was is like in high school i was uh i was in a punk band but i was also like exposed to like the heavy metal of the time so mm-hmm. that new that new metal movement was like i was in grade 9 in 2000 so oh. like bands like corn and kitty shabelle evanescence linkin park like all of that heavily influenced me in high school and then I moved in a little bit more of just like an alternative rock direction until I started studying classical music. And then I that's when I was introduced to like bands like uh Within Temptation, Camelot, Nightwish. This would have been like 2007, I want to say 2008, 2009 area where I started like getting this reintroductory to like European heavy metal and it was very very interesting. It was like it was just incredible, especially being classically trained like in my training at the time i i found it very inspirational yeah okay. and, and, you know kitty of course uh, i have to add over here because i still remember their video and you know of course they're canadian also so what was it yeah. like because i'm assuming you caught their video on much music so what was it like like watching them for the first time and just it kind of discovering it was just magic because like uh, so morgan is like the singer morgan is now a good friend of mine which is just oh, wow. unbe- unreal um she's such a cool person uh but you know it's weird talking about it cuz like i never thought it back in the day because when i first saw kitty on tv for me it was just so empowering to see other women around the same age as me doing what i wanted to do and I was just like wow this is so cool. I couldn't believe how young they were when they climbed to the um attention that they did. Like they were in their they were like 13, 14, 15 years old and when I did see Brackish on TV for the first time, I thought it was probably like the best thing ever to happen ever. <laughs> of course from uh so you you're into punk you're into metal you're getting you're getting into that world and then comes along the classical music side of it um what was the bridge between both these worlds between classical music and heavy metal well it was really interesting because at the time like i didn't it's funny i didn't think that like music was going to work out for me so i was like well i still want music in my life so i'll become a teacher 
And what my singing coach and my teachers, like I had a theory teacher, a piano teacher, and a vocal coach. And they said, you have two choices. You can study jazz or you can study classical. And I was like, I like strings and piano, so I'm going to go like more of a classical route in my studies to learn theory and technique. Um, And, you know, I think that's why I was so drawn to that boom of European metal in the middle, like those late 2000s, um, because heavy metal and classical just line up so perfectly, no matter like what the subgenre, like they just kind of go hand in hand. And it's not to say that jazz doesn't, because there is some jazzy type Mm -hmm. heavy metal bands out there. But yeah, they're kind of like, they're like brother and sister and they go to they go together so well and they complement each other and I mean it's uh it was apparent that this was going to happen when like Metallica did their S&M concert with the symphony orchestra like it's it's a no-brainer it just had to happen okay it's it's very interesting you say that you say how they complement each other um what how easy or tough is it for someone to straddle both the worlds and when we say worlds, we mean everything beyond the music as well. Like, do you mean... Um, like, it's uh, like uh, classical music, it's, uh, it's, it's more pure in that sense, right? Like, there's a heavy um, mm-hmm. visual aesthetic to heavy metal too, which mm-hmm. may not be true for classical music in that sense. Or at least that's not the way the audiences would perceive it. No, and the only band that really kind of brings those two together aesthetically, I would say, like, Flesh God Apocalypse does a really good job mm-hmm. with their, 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 like, renaissance outfits on stage. <laughs> it's very, yeah. very well done. Um, yeah, the aesthetics are two, like, entirely different things. But I think the musicianship, like, the discipline that you need to be a classical musician, I think is about just the same as... Uh, being a heavy metal musician you know like you need that discipline um but yeah I mean they they are like complete opposites but sometimes those when those complete opposites come together they do make something really amazing which is so cool (laughs) so yeah in uh 2012 uh going back seven years you released your first solo ep which was uh, titled rushing through the sky Mm-hmm. What was your headspace uh, back then? Oh, it was so different. I mean, I was still learning. I was finding my voice and my sound. I was still learning about production. Um, and I mean, I think, like, I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, my God, please, no one listen to that, you know, because it's like, God, it's almost like eight years, seven, seven years, eight years. I don't know. What, I don't know what year it is. Seven years. It's like, yeah, actually, it's been seven years. Wow. Uh, looking back on it, like, I thought it was, like, the best representation of myself at the time. But now with Martyr coming out and working with someone like Rocky Gray and the production and the strings and everything, it's like, I I did my best to bring it up to that next level. Um, but back then, I mean, I was really honestly doing the best I could with what I had. And I'm very proud of that. But um, I actually think I'm going to discontinue that EP. Like, it, it's been out of print forever. But um, because I'm actually redoing a few of the songs, and I feel like maybe it's just it, it should just lay in the past. You know, it's it was more of a demo. I thought it was, like, the best thing ever at the time. But now I look back, I'm like, well, this was really just my demo that got me in the cradle of filth and, 
you know, pushed me forward to where I am now kind of thing. And now I know what I want to do with my musical career. And, and it, it's nothing like it's, it's not very much like that anymore. Okay. There's also a Nymphetamine cover on your Bandcamp, uh, which is listed as an earlier release. Was that too before the Cradle of Phil thing happened? No, that was right after. So I was told when I was first, <laughs> okay. like, yeah, I know it was a weird one. I, when I was told that, like, I was first hired by Cradle of Filth, I was told it was only going to be for the first six months and then they were going to take a break or something. So uh, during that time, I was actually just kind of like playing around with it on harp and doing like a full vocal version just for like fun. And um, actually, like, my producer kind of overheard me like playing it one day and he's like, you know, you should just like do a cover of it because your version is really like different. It, it is and it isn't different. And like, I'm sure people would appreciate like a full vocal version of it. And then when my string guys, like the, or uh, the conductor and orchestrator, uh, Spencer Cregan, when he was like, Oh, you're doing that. Like, I'd love to do the strings. So yeah, it just kind of was one of those things that happened and it was fun and I still to this day like play it on the harp and I appreciate it for what it is. It's a very cool song. Right, you kind of touched upon this when you said, you know, that the your EP kind of led to the Cradle of Filth call. Could you take us back to that moment? What was it like when you got that call and if you could just kind of quickly tell us how the whole thing came about? It was such a strange, strange thing. So I'll never forget the day I got the email. It was actually December 18th, 2012. And the week before was like the biggest shit show of my life. Like I broke up with my boyfriend. I moved back in with my parents. I had to finish two exams at university. And then that morning, it was the morning of our family reunion. Okay. So then I get this email and then like the whole time, like I just like, I remember the day so vividly because the whole time in the back of the head, I was like, holy crap, like I could be the next keyboardist for Cradle of Filth, right? And I, I like back in the day, I didn't appreciate, like in high school, I didn't appreciate their music like I do now. But that summer, um, the boyfriend that I broke up with, he got me back into Cradle of Filth, specifically the album Midian which mm -hmm. I thought was just a masterpiece. I was like, this is incredible. And then like the, the shot of being the keyboardist of that band, I'm like, well, hell, that's huge. So um, yeah, I remember it so vividly. And then after I got back from the family reunion, the day after I like, I sent in a cover letter and a demo tape and I was like super professional. And like, I didn't know this at the time, but I was like literally the only person going for the job. <laughs> I, I thought I had like, huge competition but I was like really really like professional about it um and then I had to wait all Christmas all New Year's didn't get a response it was like the longest holiday of my <laughs> life waiting for that response so then I'm back at university like first week back to university like second semester of my first year that I never finished and I went, you know, I drove in that week for all my classes. And then I was told I'd fly out that weekend to meet the guitarist at the time. And then, yeah, I flew out. And he said, you know, you've got the job. We went over the set. And that was that was it. The rest the rest was history. But it was just like such a it, it was just like such a long, drawn out, exciting process. And it's crazy to think that I'm here like six and a half, almost seven years later. It's crazy. Yeah, so, you know, you've done quite a bit in this time uh, with Cradle of Filth. You've done numerous tours around the world. 
albums, you know, the whole shebang. Oh, yeah. What made this the right time for you to release a solo album? Well, it was kind of out of respect because Cradle's going into writing, like we're going into writing the third album together with this lineup. This lineup has been together over five years, um, which is great. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, like, there's no time like the present kind of thing. And this album has been shelved for almost a year and a half because I was shopping for a record label and no one was biting. So I said, you know what, like, I'm going to do this in, like this release entirely independently. And uh, yeah, I've been, I've been able to do that. So I picked the date and we've got everything lined up and I, you know, I was working on advancing it and getting the merchandise ready and everything while I was on tour. It's with modern technology, like nothing's impossible, but yeah, I just felt it was time, especially after the long wait, like, when it hit a year of the album being done, like mastered and everything, and like nothing had been done with it, I was like, okay, like this is not good. Like we, I want this music out there. And it's, it's great because like now that it's about to be out, like I'm already thinking about the second album and like how I want to do things a little differently and stronger. And I mean, I'm very proud of this album about to come out. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's been a while since it's been done, you know? <laughs> okay. I, at this moment, I have to ask, and this comes because now everybody's seen Metallica, some kind of a monster, that documentary. Yeah. And ever since that's been released, we've been painted a picture of a narrative around a band member stepping away from a band to work on a different project and how the band can react to that kind of news. So the question yeah. is, how supportive has the Cradle of Filth family been with your solo endeavors? They have been so amazingly supportive. It's unbelievable. I gave the album to our drummer, Martin, early and he loved it. And that really meant a lot because he is very very particular on what music he likes and I respect him for that because like he is like our maestro like he like he's our musical director in Cradle Phil so the fact that like he liked it meant so much to me um you know the guys have just all of them have been so supportive and especially Danny um you know and um everybody else in the band has a side project or a different band or they're working on something on the side you know so I love that. And I love how modernized and like forward thinking this lineup of Cradle Filth is. I think that's why we've been together for over five years, because we are literally a family that supports each other. We work through our problems. We're like, they're, I, like I, I say that I have like five older brothers. I jokingly sometimes say Danny is my child, but like they are, it's like, <laughs> it, 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 or my dad, he's like a second dad. Um, because we have such a close relationship. It, it is family, you know, and I, I'm very lucky to have them in my life. They're really nice guys. And they know that, like, no matter what's going on, I would always support them too. So they've been really, they've been really sweet about it. Even Cradle of Filth's management has been like, you know, really nice and supportive, which I appreciate so much because yes, they're like you know some kind of monster with metallica yes i have heard stories where like there's jealousy and like resentment and um you know when i went solo this was back in like 2010 mm -hmm. i went solo and i was in a band at the time that was just like not doing very well and falling apart and i was really getting sick of like 
the lack of commitment and the egos, they were so mad at me for going solo. But like, you know, sometimes like nobody wants your dreams as badly as you do. So like sometimes you have to make the big leap in order for people to take you seriously and in order for you to move your art forward. So yeah, there was drama, but like it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> as long as there's no drama now. Oh it, no, no. Like there isn't. No, no, no drama. I don't got time for that. So <laughs> <laughs> and you know you've spoken about the band and the management. What about the fans? How has their response been to Mata? Was it something you expected? Um well so far about Let's see. I think I've released four songs, so that's like about one third of the album. Um, they've lo- they've been loving it. They honestly really like it. I mean, I know some of the people who are like in the heavy, heavy, heavy extreme metal. Like we're talking more in the vein of like death metal, and they're not really vibing it. But like that's fine because everybody has like their cup of tea. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone prefers mm-hmm. a different style. I'd like to think I'm a little bit more on the lighter end of things, especially because I have an original member of Evanescence in the band. Like he, yeah, yeah he's great. Rocky's such a cool dude. Like, um, you know, we 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 do essentially we do heavy pop music, and that's okay. Like that's the music that we like, and that's the music that we like want to put out there. Like most of the time when I'm talking to Rocky, we're talking about how we're fans of like Lana Del Rey and Michael Jackson and stuff. Like we know that our music is a little more catchy and a little more light. Um, but the Cradle fans have been really cool, really supportive. Like I really appreciate them. I think they're like the sweetest people on the face of the planet. All right. So just give me Yeah. And you know, you touched upon this already. So Mata is co-written by the former Evanescence drummer Rocky Gray. How did Rocky become a part of the writing process for the album? It was so weird. Um, so a photo came up on Facebook and John, John, I've had John Lecomte, the original guitarist of mm-hmm. Evanescence on Facebook forever. And a photo came up with him with Ben and Rocky in the photo. So I'm like, what do I have to lose? I'm going to try to add them on Facebook. Like the worst they can do is say no. So I added Ben and I added Rocky. Ben Moody like ignored me and I've never spoken to him in my life. But Rocky added me right away. And he was like, hey, I'm a huge fan. How did you find me? And I just (laughs) laughed. I'm like, dude, I've been following your career since I was like 16. He's like, oh, no way. And then like, I think it was like three or four days after New Year's, like right after I added him. I swear to God, I added him like on New Year's. Um, he's like, hey, do you want to work on music together? And I like, I just freaked out. I, I had to pull over my car. There was like ugly crying. Like I was so happy. And um, yeah, we just got to it right away. So he's just been, he's just been like, it's so weird. It, you know, he's been such a big part of my life since I was a teenager. And now he is such an integral part of my life as an artist and as a friend. And I'm really, really grateful for that. And not many people can say that. And then like people in high school who like I randomly run into in town, they're like, you wrote an album with like your idol. Like, what the hell? How did that happen? And I'm like, I just got really really lucky and rocky happens to be a fan of cradle filth so you know it's all about it's all about networking you know and it's nice because me and rocky have like a lot in common um you know liking uh film scores and um yeah we just we 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 really we we both have like this undying passion for like trip hop which is like one of my favorite genres um 
of music. So it's it's mm-hmm. really, really cool um, to just be able to like text them any hour of the day and be like, hey, what's up? Have you checked out this mil- film? Have you checked out this artist? It's really, it's awesome. Right. And this is only because I, while doing research, came across, uh, I guess this is one of your earlier interviews where you talked about uh, working, preferring to work alone on your solo material. So for future material, would you go back to writing alone or would you prefer now to write with someone, say, Rocky, for example? I honestly, like, I love... I love writing with people when they they bring forward what I am not able to do. In this in the case of like going forward with the next album, I have to demo all of my ideas to the best of my ability with like what I can do. So um I do play the bass guitar, you know, I I will like do like piano and strings and harp and singing and all that stuff and and I'll do it to the best of my ability and then I'll send it to Rocky and he'll build it from there. And then I actually have um, two other musicians working on a few different songs on the next album because uh, I like what they bring to the table. But what it comes down to is I just prefer to direct it because I usually know like I usually know what I'm going for. Like I'm not really during those demoing stages. That's when I'm open to experimentation. But once I've got my idea like set in exactly what I want to do then from there like the experimentation window is closed like I'm just like just you know like this is what I want do it so you know and and that's what we're going to do moving forward I mean it's not really so much of a control thing it's just more of a I know what I want and I know how I want this song to end up and it's how I hear it in my head so yeah that's that's usually what it comes down to We've spoken a bit about uh, Martyr. Let's kind of play a song from the album. So which song would you like us to play for our listeners and why? Um, if I want them to hear any song, I want them to hear Savior because I feel like that song just really represents everything that the album has to offer. All right. So okay. let's keep that one up. Here is... Savior by Lindsay Schoolcraft.
All right. So let's say you're a multi-talented musician skilled across different and numerous instruments. Which one do you compose most of your music on and which one do you think your musical thoughts in? Oh, well, thank you. You're very kind. Um, honestly, uh, I learned the piano um, to be my compass for singing and to be my compass for writing. So a lot of my ideas do first come from the piano. But I have mm. been I have been working on like writing a lot of stuff on the harp, especially songs that are supposed to be on the harp. But usually it starts with piano and I kind of find that I can if I have a tempo and I have a map out of what I'm trying to do that's usually the best communicator to everyone else when you know when we have to bring drums and guitar and other instruments in so all right and are there any other instruments that you wish to add to your skill set honestly uh not anymore um because I just <laughs> play too many like I definitely want to pick up the bass guitar again and because that's something that I spent like eight years of my life on and I do very much enjoy it uh and I do want to work on the harp but yeah like piano and vocals it say it's good I mean even as a vocalist my voice is changing and I have to work on it but if you gave me a cello I doubt I could play it anymore I'd love to do some stuff with a church organ but there's just like no time for me to pursue those things right now okay all right. Uh, another huge component of uh, your musical journey or whatever you've presented to the world so far as an artist is um, the visual aesthetic part of it. Uh, how much importance do you give to the visual aesthetic of your musical performance? Oh, it's honestly yeah. everything. There's so it's... much. There's the makeup, there's the costumes, there's the art, so much. Yeah, it's it's everything to me. Um like I don't understand there are some artists out there who like can get away with it like Cannibal Corpse doesn't really have an image um, yeah you know like I guess Opeth doesn't really have an image like you know like they're just a bunch of guys hanging out in their band shirts like and that's that's fine but like I I love having music and like visuals line up and and perform together i've i came from like a theater a bit of a theater background i see the importance of performance and visuals and music all coming together as one big piece of art so mm -hmm. for me like that's always been something that it's like no like this like i can't just show up in my pajamas and everyone be okay with that like that's not how it is for me because it's like i'm I'm representing a side of myself and that's that's part of you know identifying as a goth and being part of gothic culture it's like you're you're what what you're feeling and seeing on the inside you're bringing to your exterior and I bring that to my music so I think you know when I'm performing or like when um I'm creating something uh, that's part of me like yeah I don't always have the time and energy to like do my makeup and hair I mean, I'm definitely always wearing something black. That's that's never going to change. I'm wearing my kitty T-shirt today, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, like, it's just very important to reflect what you're trying to express, you know, and that's that's it's always been important for me. And I love I've always loved that about Cradle of Filth because Cradle of Filth is a very image driven band. And I was super excited and a bit nervous when I joined. But then, you know, who would have thought like years later for like music videos, like I'd be planning the makeup and I'd be helping with the, the wardrobe and the costumes like it's just such a big incredible production that I love being a part of 
Okay. Is it something that uh, um, that separates Lindsay as an as like your own private self versus Lindsay as the performer? Uh, what I mean is all um, all the visual aesthetic, all that component. Does it kind of act as an armor for you to don when you go on to perform? Yeah, I mean, it's if anything, it's like what it's just who I actually am as an artist, like this this creative thing inside coming out. But there's like, there is Lindsay the performer, and that's an art form. And then there's everyday Lindsay who's like picking her nose and swearing and playing with her cat, you know. So yeah, <laughs> there's definitely. I mean, it's a very Jekyll and Hyde thing, but I think in a very positive way. Yeah, yeah, totally. So you know, earlier this year you did a solo tour in Australia. And you've never done one in, even Canada as yet. So, do you have any plans for touring after the shows with the uh, Cradle of Filth in the coming of months? Yeah, we're planning. We're planning something for Toronto in Montreal in December, which I'm super looking forward to. And I'm so lucky that I have a live band here. My guitarist Cody has been helping take care of like the live preparations, which I greatly appreciate because. I've literally been buried in merch boxes <laughs> at home. So it's really nice. But yeah, we're trying to accommodate Cradle of Felt's schedule and work something around Cradle. So, you know, it's seeing what's possible. But yeah, I'm hoping that something does come up. It would be really nice to go to Australia or Europe or something as soon as possible. Yeah, and you know, this this is something I came across on the Cradle of Filth website. Uh, and since we're from India, I have to ask you. So one of the countries you've listed as a place you would like to visit, but haven't yet, is India. So yeah. tell, tell us about your fascination for India or would you... I just, I think... oh, like being Canadian, I have so many friends from India and... Mm-hmm. It just looks fascinating and beautiful and vibrant. And it's something that I've always wanted to see and experience. And I can't believe that since I've been in Cradle of Filth, we haven't gone back to India because... <laughs> in like, 2011, I, yeah. Yeah, I was being a little snoop. And I went on to like, the Cradle of Filth Facebook page yesterday and looked at like, the insights. And I'm like, hey, where are most of our fans from? I think like number two was India. And I'm like, why the heck have we, like, I need to send this to management. This is stupid. You know, like, it just blew my mind that, like, we have not been back to India. And I'm like, well, it is what it is. But hopefully we come back soon. I would love to go. Wow. I totally (laughs) was expecting that. Peter, did you think India would form the second largest fan base for (laughs) Cradle of Filth? No, I had no idea. That's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy because... Like, if you think about it, animation, one of the first uh, bands that, you know, you're initially uh, introduced to was kind of Cradle of Filth, right? And they were kind of synonymous with the black metal, especially in the 2000s. Right. So for a lot of people, you know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's kind of like how I heard uh, most of the early Cradle of Filth stuff is because when you're getting into metal, those are one of the first bands. And of course, there's something about their whole image that, you know, when you're in that rebellious yeah. phase, you want to really go out and wear those T-shirts and stuff like that. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. Like, I I think like our, our Jesus is a cunt T-shirt is the most rebellious that you'll ever get. 
and like we we did a reprint a few years ago and they sold out I feel and it was mostly young people just trying to piss off their parents which I thought was <laughs> so funny but no that's very very true and I I admire Danny for that like he really got down that vampire black metal aesthetic and he owned it and he still does to an extent and I love that I really do I think it's so cool yeah oddly enough for me it was uh, my introduction to Cradle of Filth was the IT crowd in a way uh, <laughs> oh yeah you sent me literally, the <laughs> literally that episode came out the same month I joined Cradle of Filth <laughs> so like everyone was posting that to my Facebook wall and I'm like oh dear god make it stop it was so <laughs> funny so funny on that note Lindsay I think it's time to say thank you for an excellent chat. Uh, of course, it was lovely talking with you. Yeah, and uh, full power to your project and full power to making things work um, as a solo artist and as a solo musician. No, oh, thank you so much. Well, so nice of you. <laughs> That's a pretty cool story, right? Dude, I can't believe. It. I mean, it's it's literally like that movie Rockstar, right? <laughs> Which was kind of based on <laughs> Judas Priest, but here she's living it out. Yeah, exactly. Steel Dragon reference will always win brownie points in my book. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and that's all the time we have this week. We are keeping it nice, short and crisp so that you can make more use of your time. and do all that christmas shopping which i'm pretty sure you guys must have a lot of doing or make your top 10 lists or make your top 10 lists oh yeah correct yeah. it's that time of the year too yeah so if you've got anything you want us to check out if we haven't checked out is yet go back listen to some of the episodes and say fuck you didn't check out that album as yet yeah and while you're doing that just go back to the very beginning of the episode to find out how you can reach us and let us know how you can reach us Oh well, I'm just going to do it again. Honsappod.com. We really love that shit. Yeah. So yeah, you better check it out. We're legit now. Yeah. Till <laughs> the next time. Honsapp. Honsapp.